How's everybody doing this morning? Have a good Thanksgiving? Yeah, somebody did. That's awesome. So it's December. Anybody excited for December? Yeah. December's awesome. So we're in a new series today. We're starting a new series called Evergreen. Uh, fresh new series. We're going to do this for three weeks leading up to Christmas. And we're going to talk about some different aspects of what it means to be evergreen. How many know that our God is evergreen? Okay. He is. He's always green. He's ever giving. Hosea 14.8 says this, O Israel, this is God talking to us, O Israel, stay away from idols. I am the one who answers your prayers and cares for you. I am like a tree that is ever green, that is always green. All of your fruit, all of your fruit comes from me. Stay away from idols. God is the one who answers your prayers. He is the one that cares for you. He is like a tree that is evergreen. Everything we have comes from him. This morning, I want to talk about giving, specifically money and possessions. But I don't want to stop just there. I want to go much, much deeper than that to really dig up and inspect the root system of our lives. See, from the inception of this church three years ago and still today, if you've noticed, we've never taken a, an offering in our service. We've never passed an offering plate, and we have a very specific reason for that. Now, I've got to say, we're in no way condemning any church that does that. Of course not. But for us, at least in this season, we believe that God's called us to do things a little differently. And as you know, we're not afraid to be different, to look different, to do as God's called us to do. And from the very first service that we had at Camp of Champions until today, we've had a nondescript gray box in the back of the room. Very first service until now, we've actually had to change out the box once because it kind of got a little beat up. It's a good thing. But that, that box is where you can give your tithes and offerings if you call Church 214 your home. And we just said from the beginning, we said if the position of our hearts are right, then the position of our hands will be right. Amen? That's huge. That's the entire message today. If the position of our hearts are right, then the position of our hands will be right. And it's so true. What's amazing is that 90 plus percent of people that attend this church give at least something during the calendar year. And if you know anything about church statistics, that is an enormous statistic. And the vast majority of people of that 90% are regular faithful givers. That's amazing. It's unbelievable. So I know this morning that I'm preaching to a group of people that are givers, okay? And before everyone starts cringing because I'm talking about money, don't. We're going to go a lot deeper than just money. From the very first service that we had three years ago and today, we've never had a specific message on money or a specific message on tithing or giving, which is very interesting because Jesus talks a ton about money. 16 of his 38 parables are about money or possessions. So if Jesus talked about money so much, then why in the world have we not broached the subject in three years? That's a great question. I'm glad you asked. 
If Jesus talked about money roughly 40% of the time in his parables, then why in 140 sermons that we've given at this church have we not preached about it at all? It's another great question. Glad you asked. You want to know the answer? We actually do talk about money and possessions almost every single week. You just don't realize it. See, while we've never had a specific message on money or giving almost every fail, almost every week without fail, we talk about the root issue that Jesus actually talked about when he mentioned money and possessions. Let me say it another way. Money and possessions are like a tree, okay? They are, they are visible. They are outward, outside visible things that you can see with your eyes, that you can touch and feel with your hands. But the most important part of the tree is where? It's underground. It's the root system. It's not visible. It's hidden. But everything is dependent on the root system of that tree. Jesus said it another way. In Matthew 6, 21, he said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. In other words, you show me what you treasure, and I'll show, me, I'll show you where your heart hangs out. See, if we get the root system right, then the entire tree will be healthy. So yes, we've never had a specific message on money or possessions, yet we talk about it every single week. Does that make sense? When we talk about the root system, we talk about the heart. It's all about the condition of our heart. So I want you to understand today that this is a message about money, but it's not a message about money. It's about so much more than money and possessions. It's about how we live out our lives. Get it? All right, let's pray. Jesus, oh, we are honored to be in your presence this morning. We bow our hearts low before you. We humble ourselves under your mighty hand. God, I pray that what is spoken through my mouth would be straight from your heart, straight from your throne. Let nothing else get in the way. May we have listening ears, listening hearts. Would you shake us to the core today? Would you expose the root system of our hearts? Would you give us a new perspective on giving, a new perspective, your perspective on treasure? And it's in the mighty name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. Evergreen. So the definition of evergreen that I want to use this morning is always giving always giving. An evergreen uh, plant or a tree is by nature always green, thus the evergreen. It is always giving, just like our God. Our God is evergreen. Our God is always giving. His heart is constantly reaching towards us, you and me. His hands are always open towards us. One of my favorite scriptures, James 1.17, says this, every good and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights. The very nature of God is that he's a giver. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from above from the Father of lights. I love that title for God, the Father of lights. Do you remember the beginning of the world, Genesis 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was what? Empty. It was void. It was dark. And then your Father spoke. The father of lights, he spoke into the darkness. The voice of the giver shattered the darkness, and our father gave us his very first gift. He said, what? Let there be light. 
Did you know that there were gifts that were given to you before you were even formed? Thousands of years ago, your Father gave you and I the gift of light. That's pretty awesome. He gives perfect gifts. His heart is always wide open towards you. His hands are always wide open towards you. Listen to me. And we, you and I, were created to replicate that same heart position. You and I, we were made in his image to reflect the very same position of his hands, wide open. See, when God created everything else, he spoke it into existence, right? And then with you and I, he got his hands dirty. He, he formed us out of the dirt of the earth, and then he did something so unbelievable, so extraordinary. He put his lips to our lips, and he breathed his breath into us. Think about that. So our giving father let go of his breath. He released his breath into us, and we received the very breath of God, and we became alive. God so loved the world that he gave. Do you realize in order to receive something that you must first release something? In order to inhale another breath, what do you need to do? You must first exhale a breath. You must release a breath. See, every breath that you and I take is a gift. But in order to receive it, you must first release a breath. In order to receive something, you must release something first, hands wide open. And from the very beginning, from our very first breath, God was giving. He was outpouring his love, releasing love on his creation. He told Adam and Eve, all of this, everything is yours. There's just one rule. Don't eat from that tree, that one tree. You can have anything else. Everything else is yours. Just don't eat from that one tree. You, you do realize that God's the one that created that tree that he told them not to eat from, right? God created it. He placed it there. It wasn't Satan. It wasn't the devil. God just told Adam and Eve not to eat from it. Why? Because love is about choices, and God's heart of love is always wide open. His hands are always wide open towards us. He loves us with more depth and width than you, we could possibly imagine. But he gave us a choice. And we have to choose him back or not choose him. See, that's how love works. God's promises towards you are always what? Yes and amen. God's heart towards you is always wide open. God's hands towards you, I'm going to say this a lot, is always wide open. Your father is evergreen. He is always giving. I mentioned earlier when I started that, that I knew I was talking to a bunch of givers here this morning. But it's not because of the fact that 90 plus percent of you give regularly your tithes and offerings faithfully to this church. It's not because of that. Yes, that's evidence that the root system is healthy. It is. But I know I'm talking to a bunch of givers here this morning because I know that you and I are made in the image of the giver. Hello? You have his DNA within you. You've been breathing his breath. And at the end of the day, you have a choice. What is the position of your heart going to be? What are the position of your hands going to be? Are they going to be wide open? Or are they going to be closed and gripped tight. Turn in your Bibles to Genesis 12. 
We're going to kind of fly through this story here, but remember Abraham? Genesis 12, the father of our faith. Abraham was obedient. He was faithful. He followed God's voice even when he didn't know his final destination. God said, go to a land that I will show you. Abraham didn't know where he was going. He was just taking one step of faith at a time. Just like how you and I should live our lives. Listen to the voice of God one step. Listen to the voice of God another step. And God told Abraham in Genesis 12, verse 2, he said, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. All the families on earth, not some, but all, will be blessed through you. You, that's you, that's me, that's all of us. That's a promise that still carries weight today. That's a real promise of God. We are blessed because of the faith of Abraham. There was only one small problem with what God told Abraham. One minor little detail. Do you know what it is? Abraham didn't have a son. And so Abraham reached the land of Canaan, which was fully inhabited by the Canaanites. And God told him again in verse 7, he said, Then the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, I will give this land to your descendants. And Abraham built an altar to the Lord, but there was only one small problem. Abraham didn't have a son. Thank you, Mike. A chapter later, chapter 13, Lot and Abraham, they divide up the land. They go their separate ways. Verse 15, after Lot had gone, the Lord said to Abram, look as far as you can see in every direction, north, south, east, west. I'm giving you this land as far as you can see in your descendants as a permanent possession. And I will give you so many descendants that like the dust of the earth, they cannot be counted. That's incredible. Go and walk through the land in every direction, for I am giving it to you. There was only one small problem. Abraham didn't have a son. Skip over to verse, or chapter 15. Verse 3, Abraham says to God, Hey God, you've given me no descendants of my own, so how about this? One of my servants will be my heir. And the Lord said to him, No. No, your servant won't be your heir because you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. And then God took Abraham outside in the night sky and he said, look up at the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abram believed the Lord and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. I love this part of the story for so many reasons. Can you imagine no city lights before electricity in the middle of nowhere having a conversation with the father of lights, the giver of all good things, looking up at his stars? I've seen stars in the middle of nowhere in Africa and Canada, far away from cities. I'm, I'm sure maybe you have too. So many stars that it looks like you could just reach out and touch them. It's incredible. Stars that have hundreds and thousands, that, that are hundreds and thousands of light years away from us. See, when you and I see light from a star, we're seeing light from the past. Light from hundreds, from thousands of years ago. 
The closest star to Earth besides the sun is Proxima Centura. It's a little over four light years away from us. So in other words, when you see that star, you're seeing light from four years in the past. And that's the closest star. The farthest star that we've been able to discover yet with our puny telescopes is progenitor of the GRB 090423. And it is 112 billion 900 million light years away from us. But see, that's the love of God. Love that is lavished upon us for a thousand generations. Light that is breaking upon us for a thousand generations. See, the heart of God is not just about this one moment in time or space. It's not just about your lifetime. God doesn't think in time and space. He thinks in thousands of generations. And the Father of Light spoke into existence thousands of years ago. Those stars. And some of that light is just now reaching our eyesight. Think about that. Just because you can't see it yet doesn't mean it's not there. Just because you can't see it yet doesn't mean the promise is not true. Can I get an amen? See, that's the conversation God is having with Abraham as they're looking at his stars together. God's saying, yeah, I know you don't have a son yet, but I'm telling you, he's coming. If it's a promise of God, then it's coming. That's a word for somebody today. Look at the stars, Abraham, the light that you're just now beginning to see. I spoke that light into existence long before you were born. That's who I am. Just because you can't see it yet doesn't mean it's not there. That's a good word. So Abraham and Sarah had to truly decide if they, they believed the promise of God or not. They had to decide whether they were going to live with a tight grip or with open hands. Genesis chapter 16. Abraham and Sarah momentarily decided to take matters into their own hands. They tightened their grip instead of opening their hands and letting God do his thing. And Sarah told Abraham, hey, since I'm too old now to have children, why don't you take my servant girl and get her pregnant? Brilliant idea. Not. So because of that decision, Ishmael was born. And that's a whole other story of grace for another day. But there were consequences to that decision that are still in effect today. See, here's the deal. Are we going to live our lives with a tight grip on everything? Are we going to force your way? Or will you live your life with your hands wide open? The way you were created to live. And allow God's promises to come through in his timing, not yours. See, I have news for you today. Your God is for you. Your, your God wants to give you good gifts. Every good, every perfect gift is from above and from the Father of lights. But you cannot receive when your hands are gripping on tight to something. You cannot receive in this position. See, tithing and giving, it's not about a rule. It's all about a relationship. It's about a wide open heart 
and wide open hands. We tend to hold on so tight, don't we? To things that are so small in the scope of eternity. We grip so tightly onto the insignificant. And God wants to pour out more than you can ever imagine, but we can't receive because our fists are clenched shut. This last year, I shared some of the story a couple of months ago, but uh, my wife and I have a, a rental house that was our first home. And uh, a long, very long story short, um, we had some renters in there that weren't paying, paying their rent for months on end, and then refused to move out when we tried to evict them. We finally got them out, and the place was trashed. It cost us big. Thousands, thousands of dollars. And we were angry. Heather and I were angry. And righteously angry. We had every right to be angry. We had been wronged. But our hands were gripping on too tight. We had to release it. And we realized that, and we texted them, our, our renters, after they'd moved out, after we'd cleaned up the mess. And we told them that we forgive you for the amount that you owe us. No response. But you know what? That's okay. We weren't doing it for them. We had to do it for our hearts. We forgave them because if we didn't, we wouldn't be living with wide open hearts. We wouldn't be living with wide open hands. And I don't tell you that story to give myself props. Trust me, I have a lot of areas in my life that I need to loosen my grip on and instead open my heart and open my hands. But here's the question for all of us. Are you going to live your life with your hands gripping so tightly to everything that you cannot receive? Or will you live your life like your heavenly Father with hands and heart wide open? See, your hands won't move in the right direction until your heart moves in the right direction. So back to Abraham for just a moment. God came through in his promise. Imagine that, like he always does. And Abraham and Sarah had a son. Now, now check this out. Abraham was 100 years old when he had a son. I would classify that as a miracle birth. Genesis 21, the Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. <laughs> she became pregnant and she gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. This happened at just the time God had said it would. Just the time that God said it would. His promises are always yes and amen. His light is is breaking upon you in his time. The next chapter, chapter 22, sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. He said, Abraham, yes, God, here I am. Take your son, your only son. Yes, Isaac. Let's clarify who we're talking about here. <laughs> Let there be no mistake. Isaac, the one you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. 
Now, I know most of you, probably all of you, have heard this story before. I want you to just wipe the slate clean and think of this like it's the first time you've ever heard this story. This is one of the craziest asks of God of all time. It's unbelievable. I'm sure Abraham had to be like, did I hear that right? Are you sure? That's what I would have done. God has promised the son to Abraham for years, tells him the entire earth is going to be blessed through his son. He shows him the sand, the stars, promise upon promise, and then at 100 years old, God fulfills his promise to Abraham. Isaac grows up a bit, and then God asks Abraham to do the unthinkable thing. He asks him to give up on the promise, to kill the promise to put his only son, his pride, and his joy, the everything of his entire life, the blessing of generations, your blessing, to put that promise to death. How in the world could the giver of all things, the sustainer of life, the father of lights, ask such a thing? The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey. And he took two servants with him, along with his son Isaac. No hesitation. Then he chopped wood for a fire and for a burnt offering, and he set out for the place God had told him about. Abraham's response is incredible. He gets up and he obeys the voice of God. This is not some fictional story. This is a real story. This is a father who had waited a hundred years for a promise. A hundred years. A father that was filled with love and joy because of a son. Abraham was a man with human emotions just like you, just like me. Can you imagine packing up your son or daughter on a trip that you were going to kill them on? And they travel for three days and they get to the mountain. And Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders and he himself carried the fire and the knife. And as the two of them walked together, Abraham turned, or Isaac turned to Abraham. And he said, Dad, we've got the fire. We've got the wood. But where's the sheep for the burnt offering? God will provide a sheep, my son. And they walked on together. And when they arrived at the place where God had told them to go, Abraham built an altar, arranged the wood on it, and then he tied up his son. Can you even imagine that moment? He placed him on the altar. And he raised his knife, ready to do what God had told him to do. And at that moment, the angel of the Lord said, Abraham, stop. Don't lay a hand on the boy. Don't hurt him in any way. For now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son. You have not withheld from me. 
What are you withholding from God? Now we're deep in the root system. You have not withheld from me. See, anything that your hands are gripped on other than Jesus is an idol. I'm not trying to make anyone feel guilty today. What I'm preaching is freedom. This is not guilt. This is actually grace. To walk with your God just like he intended from the beginning. To choose obedience over the fruit that tempts us. To live with a wide open heart. To live with wide open hands. That is freedom. Can we make one thing clear? I'm going to talk on money for just a moment. Can we take make one thing very clear. A tithe is a starting point. God is not asking you for 10%. He's not. God is asking you for your Isaac. God is asking you for everything. Are your hands wide open? I hope you know I'm not talking right now about giving offering at a church. An offering or a tithe is an above-ground act of worship. It's evidence. It's the fruit of the tree. An offering or tithe is an outpouring of what is already down here in the root system, what is already in your heart. I'm talking about giving your entire life. You're everything, not 10%, but 100% to Jesus, holding absolutely nothing back. I'm not saying that you place everything that you own in the offering box. I'm saying that you live knowing that everything is already his. Actually living that way, with your heart wide open, with hands wide open. See, our God gave freely to us. He gave everything to us. And we should approach giving the same way. It should be an honor to give to God. We should be tripping over each other to give in that offering box, to give online, however you give. It is an act of worship to give back to God. It should be the first thing that we do when we get paid, not because of guilt, but because of grace. I briefly mentioned the sun earlier. Do you realize how big a star that the sun is, our sun? The sun weighs about 333,000 times as much as the earth does. It's so large that 1.3 million planet earths could fit inside of the sun. But as big as that is, the sun is only a below average size star. It's tiny compared to Betelgeuse. This is Betelgeuse right here. You've seen Betelgeuse before. It's the star that forms uh, the constellation Orion's right shoulder. It's the ninth brightest star in our night sky. And Betelgeuse is a very large star. It's about 700 times bigger than the sun. And it's 14,000 times brighter than the sun. But there is a brighter star. 
A star that's been shining before all of the other stars. A star that commands the star. His name is the bright and the morning star. And he outshines all the others. And no one saw him coming. Yet his light has been shining for all of eternity. See, God gave up his very best for you. John 1 verses 9 to 12 says this, The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world that he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him, he gave the right to become children of God. Crazy, the father of light, the giver of all good things, the one who spoke light into existence, who created the stars, the one who is the true light, who started shining from eternity past, that light finally broke through the darkness and shined on this world, just like he had always planned. The bright and the morning star from eternity past, his light touched the dirt of this earth, and the very people that he formed out of the dirt, the very people that he had breathed his breath into, didn't even recognize him. See, just because you can't see it yet doesn't mean it's not there. Just because you can't see him yet doesn't mean he's not there. He lavishes love upon those who choose him for a thousand generations. God so loved the world that he gave. He did not withhold his only son. He gave up his Isaac for us. And he went through with that sacrifice. See, the love of God is deep. The love of God is wide. His heart is positioned in love towards you. He gave his son as a sacrifice in your place. He gave up absolutely everything for you. Heart open wide. Hands literally wide open on the cross for you. And now he's asking you to live the same way. The position of your heart determines the position of your hands. See, Jesus is not looking for a tithe. He's looking for everything. He's looking for your entire heart, a root system that's completely abandoned to him. Just stand up for a moment as we pray. O Israel, O Church 214, stay away from idols. I'm the one who answers your prayers and cares for you. I am like a tree that is always green. All your fruit comes from me. Just take a moment, bow your heads, close your eyes, just you and Jesus. Just like you're out there like Abraham looking into his night sky at all the stars. Just the two of you. What are you gripping onto so tight that has become an idol in your life? See, anything that your hands are gripped on other than Jesus is an idol. What are you holding on to that you need to release today? 
What does your heart need to release so that you can live with hands and heart wide open? Maybe it's something financial. Maybe it's a possession. Maybe it's your children. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a house or a car. See, holding on so tight to something, you can suffocate it. You've got to do what God did to us. Exhale breath. Let it go. Let it breathe. So just take a moment, you and Jesus, and have that conversation with him. Release whatever your grip is holding on to other than him in this moment. You have not withheld from me. He wants to search every dark corner of your heart and live in every place, every, every room, every closet that you've not turned over to him. Whatever it is, turn it over to him today. Release it to him today. Let him have full control. Heart abandoned to him heart abandoned to him so that you can live a wide open life just like your father heart wide open hands wide open let's sing this together and really mean it